listening to Resurrection Life Podcast with your hosts, Father Steve Matson and Richard Budd, the podcast of the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Michigan. In today's episode, we talk about summer rest. We hear a reflection on the three ways of Christian perfection. And we hear a poem by St. John Henry Newman, Lead Kindly Light, read by Dan Dowsett. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. Welcome back to Resurrection Life Podcast. This is your host, Richard Budd, and with me as always. Father Steve. Are you keeping cool, Father? It is. Uh, I mean, we're, we're talking about weather all the time, we and uh, we're recording this in this June heat wave. And uh, thanks to air conditioning, I am staying cool. How about you? Uh, yeah, it's not been too bad. I had um, uh, for a couple of years um, a car that did not have a functioning air conditioning, and it. That was a grace builder. It was. It? it was a grace builder. There were times I arrived in a full sweat at my destination. But it also acclimated me back to when I was a kid to just yeah. be satisfied with the, the window down. That's right. And so yesterday I just, uh, you know, it was, what, 99 degrees yesterday? I rolled the window down for a little bit and just enjoyed the the breeze. Notice, notice the little modifier, a little bit. <laughs> a little taste of driving. Exactly. <laughs> right. uh, no, it's it's, it's uh, not as bad, though, when you when you get the car moving and you got some air circulation. That's right. That's but right. it was warm. No, we, we are, God help us. Uh, I mean, in, that in, in all earnest, that's not taking his name in vain. We are soft. Yeah. We, we complain when it's cold. We complain when it's hot. Yeah. We complain when it's humid. We complain when it's cloudy. I mean, and maybe I'm just saying I complain. <laughs> well, I had this conversation with my uh, son, John Paul, uh, about a week ago. Uh, I realized I had entered into the, the I had left the, the period of being young when he was complaining that we weren't watching a video in the van. And I said, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have TVs in the van. No, we, <laughs> we just had to look out the window. That's right. And, and, play. and there were no buttons to that's, push that's, the window up right. and down. Yeah. You had to crank play, it. Play the games, uh, you know, the road games, alphabet game, right? Exactly. Can you get through A, a through Z? What, what license plates can you see? Quaker State, Penn's Oil. <laughs> these, are the, these are the winning signs. I remember my dad, he would do Q-R-S-T-U. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Oh, kick or stay. My kids now each have to have their own bag of toys and books anytime we drive for more than an hour. It's, uh, well, and one of, the th- one of the things that we have lost as uh, people who are basically wired 24-7 is daydreaming. Mm, yeah, right? yeah. Walking and daydreaming. So many times we're uh, using a device, and I'm, I'm, I, th- I thank God that I've... I've landed on a device that I like and mm-hmm. I'll do a little free promo of yeah. the Sunbeam F1 which is a smart dumb phone as far as dumb phones go uh, it's a, do you have to a, text a, do you have to press each button like no, five times no to, so it's got great oh, voice to text okay. and it's got a touch I mean listen to me Brad <laughs> it's got a touch screen so oh, okay. you can edit that way oh okay on, on the screen so after you've you've done the voice to text but I'm I'm more present to the Lord and to uh, the world, and I do find myself in the healthiest of senses daydreaming, uh, 
so when I'm sitting at table, I'm, I, uh, there's nothing for me to do on. I can check yeah. the weather. It has that app. But there's no emails. And anyway, so it's Yeah, it's, it's funny it's, that you bring free. that up. I, you know, I remember being a, a, a kid and just kind of letting my mind... Um, well, so creativity comes yeah, through that, yeah. right? I mean, that sense of musing, leisure, right? Uh, That—that's the basis of philosophy. So, and now my mind's just always working. It's working. Yeah. It's working. And and uh, you know, the devices help us in terms of convenience, but they also become, as we've talked about many times, they enslave us. Yeah. So I am not freer. I, I feel like I'm more efficient, but I'm not actually more myself. I'm yeah. actually more scripted, more driven. Uh, when I have a device that that is giving me feedback and luring me back in, and I'll, I'll just say that's perhaps the case for our listeners too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that I'm starting to. I've started to be kind of more convicted of of the amount that I use my phone as well, and so I've. But I'm I'm realizing as I'm trying to disconnect from it, I'm having to go back to all the old ways of like, oh, I need to get an alarm clock in my room. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to have my phone in my bedroom, right. or I need to. You know, and then, that's what, that's what some people when you start talking to them about, um, you know, taking their phone. Or well, I need an alarm clock. No, they make alarm clocks. <laughs> they do. Do they still? Are you able to order one? <laughs> yes. Right. No, it, it, it's, it's remarkable uh, how we have uh, we look for those rationalizations that will uh, say, "I really can't live without it." Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to jump uh, like just head first into the spiritual aspect of that, but it did strike me recently in prayer. Um, the Lord just kind of, He just kind of poked me and said, uh, "I'm not at the center of your heart. Your phone is. You got to fix that." Right. And so I just uh, I was like, "Okay, well, we got to start figuring out how to how to move the phone out of the way and, and let the Lord, you know, because." The amount of time that I spend with my phone is drastically imbalanced. Well, it, it, I was I was listening to a, a commentator on you know current events, and he was saying he really suspects that there are people who would give up a finger rather than give up their their smartphone. Yeah. I mean, which do we need more, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, which finger are you going to take, right? Right, right? Exactly, <laughs> which finger are you going to take? But there, there is something yeah. twisted about that. Yeah. I mean, if you think um, having to know the news 24-7, the minute it's happening. Um, well, and, and continue your, your phrase, and I've got well, something just, to add on. I just that. remember you wouldn't find out the news until the evening when the paper came where the the five o'clock local news was on the on the television and, and one of the one of the things that happens because we have 24-hour news channels and this is a bit of my hobby horse and and we've got all this feedback both in the the political realm the economic realm the ecclesiastical realm we know everything right now and the Lord did not create us that way yeah what's we're, the benefit what actually is the benefit and of actually that? the the cortisol is it cortisol the cortisol. stress hormone? Yeah, cortisol. Yeah. Stress, I mean, we have so much that we are concerned about, and we actually have no grace to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So all the time when we're overwhelmed, we need to, to return and turn to the Lord and just give him all of the things uh, that the world and the flesh and the devil want us to, mm-hmm. to stress about and our own pride. Yeah. And I know 
people may be listening to this and saying, oh, there goes Father Steve again, uh, again. talking about the phone. But I think this is the perfect time to, to reflect on that when it is summertime. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the the there's something about the school year and being... Um, being now that we have kids in the school year, being more attuned to the, that rhythm. Even though we're not agrarian, we still yeah. love this. There's summer something about summer, yeah. and there's yeah. there's rest that comes with summer, along with work. But a lot of times, it's different kinds of work. I'm working yeah. in my yard, where I haven't been for a good portion of the year. Um, it's a good time to reflect, and how how am I, how am I letting my mind rest? How you know the the daydreaming, you know. And spending time outside, you know, we we obviously in the northern hemisphere and especially in the six months where it's darker uh, and cloudier, uh, I think we we do well to encourage each other to get outside and to enjoy. The other night um, you were with me. We were gathered out with a, a group of men just enjoying some fellowship, and it was probably 75, almost 80 degrees out at night, and it was a, it was a beautiful evening, and we were there till probably 10, 1030. Mm-hmm. And uh, those kind of conversations that were not device-driven, there was no media, it was uh, good food, or some snacks, some good drink, and good conversation. Yeah. I think informed by the Lord and and playful. Yeah, I was just you were you led right into where I was kind of going during the summertime. There are some wonderful feast days That's right. that the that the church has given us, and I think sometimes we just look at feast days as like, oh, we get a meat Friday, great, you know, I'm gonna have bacon on my my uh, one of my right. eggs this morning, but. Um, I think we need to be reflecting on are these times that we're being called to fellowship with one another, you know, mm-hmm. to enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, we just had the Whitson uh, uh, yeah, celebration the, the, uh, the festival. Celebration, uh, Whitson, as many of you know, is a, another term, an ancient term for Pentecost. And uh, we had a, a great evening and uh, just music, food, drink, poetry and um it was it was a great gift. I said that night, as I said at twelfth night in January. There's no place I would have rather been mm-hmm. than there. And uh, I, I said that the other night with a group of men who were gathered, just talking, encouraging each other in this life that we've been called to live. Yeah, but we don't need some sort of organized, That's right. you know, thing. We can just uh, call each other up, invite each other over for a drink or. A, um, uh, just a meal or something like that, just and, and, and enjoying each other's company. So that that was a group of men, and there's obviously women who gather. I, I know that there was a group, at least for quite a while, who would get together on Tuesdays or whatever night it was at uh, Horrocks at their beer garden mm-hmm. and well. just have conversation. This kind of uh, of support of one another and regular fellowship, I think, allows us to to keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. We are not meant to be solo or even just one family at a time, but that sense in we're in this together, mm-hmm. helping each other as individuals and as families uh, grow in virtue and in love and eventually to become citizens of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, the community isn't just something that makes it bearable. It's something that makes it possible. Um, as we were wrapping up the RCIA there's a period after Easter called mystagogy that they come back and reflect on what the Lord's done for them. And as I was wrapping that up and sending them off for the summer, I just said, listen, your number one task right now is to build uh, a, a community life here. Yeah. 
you tap into the the communities that already exist go to th- the events meet new other people you've had this nice kind of insular community and, and they've been they've been coming to daily masses yeah. so I, I i've seen them around yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good so but it's not just a message for the rca group you yeah, know that's right. it's a message for all of us that we really need to put effort in to um get off the couch get out of the house go see other people and uh, just uh in that light one of the things that has uh been the case about Resurrection, the parish and the school is that sense of family, of of uh, community, and we just celebrated. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, the sixteenth, and last evening we celebrated as a parish a hundred years since the Bishop of Detroit asked then Father John Gabriel's to found a parish east of the Pierre Marquette Railroad, which is just east of uh, the. What used to be Clara's is soon, I think, going to mm. become a Starbucks newsflash. From, oh, really? From, yeah, I, think it's, uh, I think it's going to be a Starbucks. That's what I've heard. I've got, some words. Case, that, that, I've got some words that I'll hold back. Right, but uh, <laughs> the, the parish that Resurrection was called to uh, take in was this side of Lansing, the east side of Lansing, East Lansing, Okemos, and Hazlitt. Oh, my goodness, really? And there were 170 wow. pa- families, Catholic families, 120 families of which were the nucleus of Church of the Resurrection at its start. Wow. And now, you know, years later, a hundred years later, we're still, I think, marked by a sense of family and commitment. We had a little reception after the Mass last night. Father uh, Kanish Connect, uh, Father Bill, who'd been here for 25 years mm-hmm. as pastor, Father Fain, who had been here for a year, and then myself, the three of us kind of celebrated the, oh, the, the, the Mass, just beginning our 100th anniversary. But uh, this is a season of remembering and of rejoicing. You know, we're working on the pictorial directory, and I'll just invite people who are uh, listening, if you've got some pictures that you want to share uh, that you think either capture the history or or some element, uh, send them to the parish office, and if time will allow, we we may include them in the pictorial directory. Got a picture of a nice big... Ox roast sandwich, send that in. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> we do need pictures from Ox roast. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, uh, this uh, 100th year anniversary, I think, is also time to give give thanks That's for, right. the, for the gift that our parish is. Yeah. Um, it's not just something that uh, that we have or we own. It's, it's a gift from God. Um, that's given to each of us. So could you remind us maybe what are some of the events that are coming up for this year? So we'll, um, uh, there's a cookbook that has been being worked on and soon will be published. Uh, it'll have uh, recipes that people in the parish want to share with each other. Uh, then at the Ox Roast, we're going to have uh, kind of some 100th anniversary themes. There's going to be a super duper raffle. Oh. It's actually a super raffle. Okay. Uh, but it'll be, uh, uh, we're going to try to th- sell, hopefully we'll sell th- a thousand tickets at $100 each, uh, which will, after uh, prizes, net about $70,000 in support of the, the work of the parish. And uh, we're hopeful that uh, people will respond to that. We'll have a concert in the fall that will just feature um, both our choral program in the school and in the parish, Scola and choir and children's shamrock scola that Gwen conducts. And uh, then on the 19th of November, we'll have uh, a sit-down dinner uh, that will be 
limited, of course, because it's going to be in Mercy Hall. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the, the kind of uh, when we'll give addresses and raise glasses and I'll invite the priests who've served here to come and join us. And uh, then on December 25th at the 11 o'clock mass, Bishop Boyer will celebrate. That's 100 oh, yeah. years since the first mass in the, new ch- in the first church, which was the basement of the elementary building. Uh, the church where we are now uh, was built in 1952. So that's 70 years old. Mm-hmm. And the, the, so they were in the basement for 30 years? Yeah, yeah wow. exactly. Yeah. And then the, the high school, which is now our middle school, was built in 39. And um, I think the convent was built in 49 okay. and was ceased use in 79. I, th- I think that's right, if I have the history correct. Okay. But uh, we're going we're gonna to pull the history together. We'll have a list of all the religious sisters who have served here and the priests who have served here. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be just an opportunity for us to remember yeah. and to give thanks. Frankly, um, I said last night to Father Bill Kanish Connect, Bill K., Father K., that uh, I am grateful as pastor of... Uh, Church of the Resurrection and Resurrection School uh, that he fought in 2009 and 10 when we were looking at having a regional middle school. He wanted to fight to keep the grade school K-8. And uh, at the time, it didn't seem the right decision. But as pastor now, I'm grateful that yeah. he was. I called him stubborn. And, and it takes one to know one. <laughs> so he was, he was stubborn. And uh, the Lord, no, he was, he was resolved. And uh, that was a gift to us. And so we're, yeah, we're blessed. Um, when Father Mark and I came in, in 2012, uh, I really felt like that was a, a gift to me to labor, co-labor with him and to be able to really be attentive to what the Lord was doing here in the heart of the city. Had the parish and the school closed, it would have been uh, a blight on yeah. Michigan Avenue instead of a light, which mm-hmm. is, it, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I may have told this story before, but you know I've known Father Mark for almost 20 years. And uh, I was living in Washington, D.C. around that time. And he was studying during the summers at, at Catholic University for his degree in canon law. And we would hang out together. And he was telling me about his parish back in Lansing and how great it was and having the, the sisters come to teach at the school. And and I was just so impressed. I said, wow, this parish sounds like a great, great place. You're really lucky. And then, uh, you know, time passes, I get married, move here, we start coming to Resurrection, and I think it was probably about a year or two until I said, wait a minute, this is the parish that probably <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, I think what the Lord is doing within the church of Lansing, but also the church around uh, the U.S. and around the world, I think there is the fruit of St. John Paul II, St. John Paul the Great's call to the new evangelization. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it perfectly well, but I, I really do believe that we are striving to form missionary disciples and to uh, disciples who will become saints, mm-hmm. which is what our time needs. Yeah. Well, one last thing as we, uh, as we just talk a little bit today about resting and taking some time away, you're actually going to be on vacation for a little bit. Yeah. Um, you want to Talk a little bit about that. So a a year ago, um, I had hoped to go over to the Diocese of Paisley in Scotland in the UK to concelebrate now Father Joe McGill's ordination. He is um, Liz O'Neill's brother's son, and uh, uh, they were able to go over, but the, the rules about... COVID quarantine made, I would go over, I would have to be quarantined for 10 days, then take 
three tests here and there, and it just wasn't feasible. But we are, God willing, uh, I'm going to be traveling with Liz and Sean. My brother Dan will join us, and uh, uh, another friend will join us, and we'll, we'll spend some time in Glasgow and then go up to the Highlands. And uh, just a, a time to enjoy the goodness of Scotland and uh, perhaps visit some distilleries and pubs. Enjoy the goodness of Absolutely. Scotland. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly right. And those are, that's really, it's at the latitude of Moscow, evidently. Mm-hmm. So it'll be uh, not exactly white nights, but uh, it'll be long, uh, long days, yeah, which yeah, will be yeah. nice. Oh, that'd be wonderful. And what dates will you be gone? Yeah, so leaving here on the 23rd, and then I'll get back on the 6th of July. Okay. So I'll be, be... A nice little couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, uh, I think that that's good for our time today. Um, and let me just encourage you I, to, to take time, and as Rich was saying earlier, to get together with people, to reach out to them. And it can be... doesn't have to be a, a significant program. I mean, just... Uh, grilling something, barbecue, even a potluck, gathering together and just spending time outside and letting the kids. I, I love, you know, two years ago when, when everybody was shut down, hearing the kids play on the playground. Mm. But that happens when, when families get together. Yeah. You know, just enjoying each other, running, chasing. And we just put the sprinkler out and let the kids run through it. Exactly. Yeah. It's great. They're squealing. <laughs> well, I, uh, it's always good to, to talk with you. And I, I know, Rich, you and others who have young families, uh, even if you go on vacation, you don't get vacation. Exactly. So I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your witness and for your investment in them uh-huh. and in the next generation. Yeah, making memories. Absolutely. All right. Well, for another week, uh, this is uh, Rich and Father Steve. God bless. Have a great summer. In reading the lives of the saints, we can sometimes wonder what process these men and women of faith went through to reach perfection. In the following reflection from Sean O'Neill, we touch upon the three ways or stages that the Christian needs to pass through in order to eventually arrive in heaven. The Three Ways of Christian Perfection Many of us wonder what we have to do to get to heaven. Do we go there directly when we die? Do we have to spend some time in purgatory? Will we, horror of horrors, end up in hell? It's a fact that no one can get into heaven without being perfect. None of us would be able to survive there if we were still damaged, wounded and sinful. It would be a bit like trying to survive on the moon without a spacesuit. So what do we need to do to ensure that we get to heaven in the end? Well, first we have to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. That's the first step. No one can get to heaven on their own merits. It's only through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that the stain of original sin is taken away with its punishment of eternal death. But once someone has accepted the Lord into their heart and given their life to him, there is a spiritual journey that must be undertaken if they are to eventually arrive at the gates of heaven and enter into glory. The early church fathers described the progress of the soul through the spiritual life by defining three states or ways. The purgative way, the illuminative way and the unitive way. 
The purgative way is the state of beginners. In this stage, it is often difficult to overcome daily temptations, and practicing the virtues can require an inner battle because of the attachments to venial sins. Even though the desire for perfection and progress is there, the person falls frequently. However, if someone repents wholeheartedly of their sins and has a desire to stop offending God, they may eventually move to the illuminative way. It's quite common for someone to remain in the purgative way for a long time, trying their best to avoid sin and practice virtue. The illuminative way is the intermediary stage between purification and total union with God. In this stage, there is enlightenment in the ways of God and a clear understanding of his will for one's life. Mortal sin has been eradicated from their life, and there are now only occasional slips into venial sins. The unitive way is the final stage of Christian perfection. A soul in the unitive stage has a constant awareness of God's presence and habitually conforms to God's will. In this stage, the soul loves God and others without limit. In the purgative way, the person has an uphill battle to get their passions under control and their aim is to overcome temptations, gradually wean themselves from attachments to worldly things and practice the virtues, especially charity towards others. What you generally war against in this stage is attraction to sensual pleasure and a reluctance to carry out acts that are in conformity to the will of God. The characteristic virtue of this state is humility, by which the soul becomes increasingly aware of its own weakness and its dependence upon the grace of God. In the purgative way, God is gradually purifying the soul so that it can be ready at last for full union with him. It's common at this stage to be dismayed at one's lack of willpower and be aware of a certain powerlessness in overcoming weaknesses, faults and sins unless we rely on the grace that God provides. There are two types of purification that the soul will experience. Active purification consists of all the holy efforts, mortifications, labours and sufferings by which the soul tries to reform the mind, heart and the appetite while always relying on help from God's grace. Passive purifications are the means God employs to purify the soul from its vices and to prepare it for the exceptional graces of the supernatural life. In the works of St. John of the Cross, these purifications are called nights, and he divides them into two classes, the night of the senses and the night of the spirit. Nevertheless, the purgative way is not all hard slog and grind. In this stage, we will also experience what are called spiritual consolations. These consolations consist of a feeling of fervour when we consider God's goodness or love. Or they can come from an external factor, such as the ceremonies of the church. These consolations are often withdrawn by God and followed by a state of desolation. At this point, the passive purification of the senses begins. Once the soul has reached the illuminative way, the passions are better under control. 
so that the person can easily keep themselves from mortal sin, but not so easily avoid venial sins, because they still take pleasure in earthly things and allow their minds to be distracted by various imaginations and their heart with many desires. It's called the illuminative way because while you're in it, your mind becomes more and more enlightened as to the spiritual things and the practice of virtue. At this stage, charity is stronger and more perfect than in the purgative way, and the soul is chiefly occupied with progress in the spiritual life and in all the virtues, both theological and moral. The practice of prayer most suitable for this state is meditation on the Incarnation, the life of Jesus and the mysteries of his Passion. The fundamental virtue of the illuminative way is recollection, that is, a constant attention of the mind and of the affections of the heart to thoughts and sentiments that elevate the soul to God. Exterior recollection is the love of silence and retirement. Interior recollection is simplicity of spirit and a right intention, as well as attention to God in all of our actions. This does not, of course, mean a person has to neglect the duties of his state or position in life, nor does it imply that recreation should be avoided. The soul in the illuminative way will also experience periods of spiritual consolations and desolations. Its purgation is still somewhat incomplete, and the purification of the senses is not yet finished and perfected. During the period of desolation, it will have to endure temptations against the theological and moral virtues. Sometimes there will be diabolical attacks upon its imagination and senses. Also, God will permit natural causes to combine in afflicting the soul, such as persecutions, the ingratitude of friends, and perhaps even illnesses. Patient suffering and resignation have to be borne during all these trials. The unitive way is the way of those who are in a state of perfection, that is, those who have their minds so drawn away from all temporal things that they enjoy great peace. They are neither agitated by various desires nor moved to any great extent by passion and who have their minds chiefly fixed on God, and their attention turned either always or very frequently to Him. It is called the unitive way because it is by love that the soul is united to God, and the more perfect the charity, the closer and more intimate is the union. Souls who have attained the unitive state have consolations of a purer and higher order than others and are more often favoured by special graces. And sometimes with the extraordinary phenomena of the mystical state, such as ecstasies, raptures, and what is known as the prayer of union. The soul, however, is not always in this state free from desolation and passive purgation, and the Lord sometimes withdraws the feeling of his nearness, and the soul experiences what John of the Cross calls the purification of the spirit. In this purification or dark night of the soul, the Lord purifies the will and stirs up in the soul a longing for the Lord. 
The three stages of growth towards sanctity are necessary for us to reach heaven. They all involve purification of one kind or another, but also the experience of consolation, joy and peace. They remind us that life in this world is a veil of tears and our homeland is not here but in heaven. We were made for union with God and we will be ill at ease and out of sorts until we are completely united to him. The three ways are the path to perfection. Let us ask God for the grace to undertake that journey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know that we are all sinners, and yet you love us with a perfect love. You long to have us united with you and for us to find fulfilment in a life with you forever in heaven. Stir up in us a desire to seek only you and to give ourselves wholeheartedly to the life of love that you call us to. Give us the courage to set out on the journey towards you. Sustain us in times of weakness and desolation and make us steadfast in following the narrow way that leads to heaven. Amen. finish this episode with a poem by St. John Henry Newman, Lead Kindly Light, read by Dan Dowsett. John Henry Newman. John Henry Newman was born in 1801 and died in 1890. He was an English theologian, scholar, and poet. First, an Anglican priest, and later a Catholic priest and cardinal, who was an important and controversial figure in the religious history of England in the 19th century. He was known nationally by the mid-1830s and was canonized as a saint in the Catholic Church in 2019. He became one of the more notable leaders of the Oxford Movement, an influential and controversial grouping of Anglicans who wished to return to the Church of England, many Catholic beliefs and liturgical rituals from before the English Reformation. In this, the movement had some success. After publishing his controversial Tract 90 in 1841, Newman later wrote, I was on my deathbed as regards my membership with the Anglican Church. Newman was also a literary figure. His major writings included the Tracts for the Times, his autobiography, Apologia Pro Vita Sua, The Grammar of Ascent, and the poem The Dream of Gerontius, which was set to music in 1900 by Edward Elger. He wrote the popular hymns, Lead, Kindly Light, Firmly I Believe and Truly, taken from Gerontius, and Praise to the Holiest in the Height, also taken from Gerontius. In the following hymn, Newman expresses confidence in the Lord's leading and trust in God's guiding light, even though he cannot see what life will bring him in the future and the way might be dark. The hymn also looks forward to the ultimate destination of heaven, where angel faces smile and where all will be 
light, and joy. Lead Kindly Light by John Henry Newman Lead kindly light amid the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on. The night is dark and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. Keep thou my feet. I do not ask to see the distant scene. One step enough for me. I was not ever thus, nor prayed that thou shouldst lead me on. I'd love to choose and see my path, but now lead thou me on. I love the garish day, and spite of fears, pride ruled my will. Remember not past years. So long thy power hath blessed me, sure it still will lead me on, or moor and fen or crag and torrent till the night is gone. And with the morn those angel faces smile, which I have loved long since and lost a while. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. Please tune in next time for more conversation, reflections, and Catholic culture. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to drop us a line to give us feedback or suggest future topics to feature, write us at podcast at corelancing.org. You can find the Church of the Resurrection online at corelancing.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.